morning's reading is from Matthew 5, 1 to 12. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before them. May God bless his reading. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Well, this morning, as I said, we're starting a brand new series called Away. And and to kick it off to that, I want to use for you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine the worst road trip you've had with other people in the car. Okay? Now, some of you are going to go jump straight to the point. Yes, it's with my children or something like that. Um, I've had to travel with some people at time and either – they wouldn't talk at all, which made it really awkward the whole time and go, okay, and you, and you try and make conversation and they kind of end it really, like they'll, you'll ask them a question and they'll end it really abruptly and you go, when does it become like I start pestering them with questions and they're going to be annoyed at me. I'm going, okay, I'll just stare and, and do that. Um, there have been road trips I've had where um, there was one where we had when Tessa was little and we, we were travelling few things kind of merged and into this um, sort of made this kind of perfect storm like and so we had to be at the sunny coast by nine o'clock that night um, Elizabeth had um, uh, professional development the next day and um, we were all going up there and 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 but she couldn't get away from chinchilla straight away so to get from chinchilla to 
um, the sunny coast was about a four-hour trip, and we left right on five o'clock. And so when we, we stopped in Dolby, so Dolby was about an hour away, grabbed some food, and I'm not sure how far after Dolby, Tessa decided to start screaming. And so normally we'd just stop and console her and went, we can't. We've got, we, we've got, we've, we've got a clock to watch. And so we ended up getting – Elizabeth hopped in the back with her, and, and it was probably of the four hours, I reckon she cried the two hours in the middle. And so we did, it just made it um, pressurised. Then you got the trips when you sort of like the kids have been in the car way too long and you, you, you're doing that false threat. Do you want me to pull over the car? And the kids know. The kids know that you don't want to pull over the car because you want to get to where you're going. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay, so um, we can find out that story from Jess later on. Like, um, but, but the thing is... Um, we, we can have these horrible trips. And the thing is, some people say, oh, the destination is what counts. Like, and I, I say to a point, yeah, I agree. If you're traveling and like there, there have been, as a road trip I took when I was um, in grade seven and we'd visited the Northern Territory and um, we were at a church camp with my cousin and his family. And they said, oh, the um, Litchfield National Park is not far from here. Now, again, it probably wasn't far in kilometres, but, you know, anyone ever driven driven on dirt roads before and you've got those ruts in the road? These ruts were like going up and down mountains. That's what it felt like. And, like, yeah, you, you're back when in alignment and then out of alignment while you're driving. That's and the, But there were some amazing things. We saw magnetic anthills on the way and you got to the place where all the waterfalls were and it was brilliant. But the trip wasn't fun, and I've, I've heard since they've actually told bitumen out there now, so, like, it'd be a, a lot different now. But so sometimes the destination what counts. You're willing to go through a difficult journey to get to a great place. But sometimes, so imagine you're driving somewhere for Christmas lunch and everyone's arguing in the car for two hours and you get there to Christmas lunch. You don't have fun at Christmas lunch. You're still fuming from the last two hours and, and, and all those kinds of things. And so we even can do it on the way to church. We get dressed in our Sunday best and the kids are running late or someone's running late and, and you get everyone in the car and then you drive here and, and then the traffic slows you up and this happens and this happens and, and you are fuming. And then you walk through the door and I'm going to smile and be happy and because I'm at church now, I've got to my destination. The thing is God... I think he, he went beyond just a destination. Our destination is heaven. Our destination is the kingdom of God in its fullness and we are part of that family because we've been drawn into it as adopted heirs of that kingdom. That is our destination. But Jesus says the way that you get there is just as important. The way that we journey to heaven becomes an important walk. And so in this, the passage that um, Harry just read for us, we see that Jesus has gathered, well, he hasn't gathered the people together. They have gathered to him. Um, he has actually really noticed that all these people have, have come together and are, are seeking to be taught by Jesus because they, they think Jesus has got a brand new way of doing life. And, and some of the things actually really surprise him because on some things he really raises the bar. And we'll be looking at that in the in the coming weeks. Jesus talks about our anger. And and some of us go, oh, I just I just struggle with my anger. And Jesus says, if you're angry, you've committed murder. 
whoa, that's a bit of a step up. We're going to get judged by what I'm thinking now because at school, you don't get judged by what you're thinking. You only get judged by what you do. Jesus said, no, if you think something, if you dwell on that, I will know about that. I will know your heart. And so he raises the bar. And today he start, the, the passage that we're looking at is the Beatitudes. Um, um, and, 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 and again, this was a really, even for us today, it's a really dynamic shift because some of us, we, we look at the, the, that, those verses and we go, we don't want that. We don't want to say, blessed are those who are weak because they will be strong. I don't want to be weak. I want to be strong. Like, and, and this is where the Bible flips things up for us because when, G, when Jesus refers to us a lot, he calls us things like sheep. Sheep follow everything. Sheep get scared. Um, if To quote Ken Davis, a Christian comedian, comedian, he said, sheep are even more chickens than chickens are. They will drop dead. He said, I don't want to be a sheep. And, and so when we look at this, sometimes we struggle to align ourselves with, with what God is saying. This is the way that we need to journey because I don't want to be like that. I, I, I want to... I want to sort of like be a person who has the presence of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, have to walk through the door sideways. I want, I want people to look at me and be impressed. I want people to think of me and be strong. And the thing is, and, and we've all found this to be true, even on those times when I felt that I was strong in myself, something has come and it's like standing on a stool and someone's kicked the stool out from underneath you and you've got nowhere to go but down. And it's not fun. It hurts, and you land on the ground. And and there's been times in my life where I felt like, yeah, life has just kicked the stool out from under me. And where's my strength gone? Where's my confidence gone? The thing is, when we situate ourselves on God, all of a sudden He changes the dynamic greatly. He says, yes, when you are weak, you are then strong, because it's my strength, and. You want to try something funny? Try and kick the stool out from under God. It's not going to happen. God's stool is not going to disappear. He is a foundation that is sure as anything. And so we're going to sort of jump into this, this, these passages um, uh, through Matthew 5 and, and a few others over the next few weeks and looking at the way that God wants us to walk. And today we're looking at a new way, looking at a new way. And so um, Matthew 4.28 picks up this idea that large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, and Jerusalem, Judea, and a region across the Jordan followed him. Now, for those who know their maps of Israel, like you, you actually have looked at the map in your Bible, um, you, you'll realize if you haven't done that, it's okay. But basically what when you look at a map of Israel, this is people have come from all over Israel. So um, Galilee was at the north, Jerusalem was at the south, Judea was at the south, the Decapolis was at the north as well. So people had come from all over to come and meet with Jesus and to see him, to hear him from him. Um, so they weren't just crowds of people, they were large crowds of different kinds of people. He didn't just attract um, the normal religious people of the day. He attracted everything. And, and, and again, this is just a challenge for us as a church. This is a side, side sermon, mini sermon, is that that's what we're meant to be as a church. We're meant to attract everyone. 
like um and and i'm so glad i've got you, this bunch of weirdos that come along every sunday like um, because it's great to be able to come together in our difference to love people where they're at and and we want to see more of that like we want to see god working in in people that have this struggle or this hang up in life but we also want to see god overcoming and and doing this and drawing people we want young people and old people and and children and and men and women we want to see all of that happening in our church because that's what God intended and that's what God attracted. So what Jesus attracted, there would have been women in that crowd. There would have been men. There would have been um, people there who thought Jesus was wrong but came along to listen anyway. We want those people at church too because they can't hear what God is wanting to say to them unless they're here. And so Jesus attracted all these different people because he was different. And so and you look in the verse 1, it says he went, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. Perfect place. I've got. I'm. I'm up a bit higher. I've got a crowd here. Let's start sharing with them. Let's share this new way that God has for them. Um, and there could have been lots of different reasons for sitting on a mountainside. Um, again, better view, uh, better acoustics. Um, Augustine, one of the early church fathers, believed that there was actually a connection between the mountainside of Matthew five one and Mount Sinai of Exodus nineteen. Um, and so where the Ten Commandments were originally given to the Jews. So in some way, like Moses gave the old way to the people of of, um, uh, Israel, and then all of a sudden Jesus is giving the new way of living to the people of Israel, all kinds. Um, And so and when when we sort of he says, what is meant by mountain, we can see well see that it stands for greater precepts of righteousness the lesser ones, of course, being those which were first given to the Jews. And so there was a connection, um, the, that connection being that God had used the mountain to teach his people before. So Mount Sinai had been used, and even now this mountain was being used to teach a new way. Um, and so and so we call this passage the Beatitudes, um, Matthew 5, 1 to 12, um, and we pick up, just want to pick up um, in Matthew 5, 3. We see that Jesus opened his mouth and, and to teach, and he says these unforgettable words, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now, straight away, you see that radical change on things. Because in the world in which we live, in the world of the time, it's not even blessed. Those who will take they're the ones in charge. Those ones who will fight and bully and push down, they're the ones who have the kingdoms. Like your emperors, your kings, your rulers, your chieftains, your, your, your heroes of battle, they were the ones who had victory. They were the ones who achieved stuff. And here Jesus, the first words he says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, but theirs is the kingdom of God. The poor in spirit refers to those who recognize and bear their desperate position. Those who long to see God's restoration through the promised Messiah, they desire the kingdom to come now, and Jesus recognizes that most, if not all, people who have come out to see him are, fact, poor in spirit. And to them, he says, um, he says, is the kingdom of God. Jesus looks out of this, this, this crowd of people that are there, saying, you know in your hearts, you don't have it all together. 
You know in your lives that there is something that is missing. You know that you are wanting more and, and you feel that you are left empty all the time. And Jesus says, it's great that you're like that. It's great that you're struggling. It's great that you feel empty because I've got the answers that will fill you up. And because of that, you will inherit the kingdom of God. See, if we want to go, I'm going to fix life myself, if we want to sort of do things out in, in my own strength, in my own wisdom, if I just get this and I get that and I get more things and add to my life, eventually I'll build a life which is full and I'll feel happy. And the, and the lie is, and I, I've seen this in life where people pursue this until the day they die and they never get close to filling their life with what is needed. They don't want to be poor in spirit. They want to be overcomers in themselves. And what we need to realize is that the kingdom belongs to those who recognize their need for salvation. Imagine you were swimming, get a cramp, maybe have a heart attack, and no longer can swim. You start drowning. And, and the thing is, if someone comes to you to give you help, are you going to be so proud to go, oh, no, I'll be right. I'll be able to get back and I'll just take a few deep breaths. I'll get there. In fact, people who are in that situation, often they so panic by their need for salvation that they will grab onto people and, and, and pull them under with them. They can be quite dangerous in that situation. And that, that's the situation that we find ourselves in this world, that we, we are in desperate need of salvation except we are drowning and we kind of, lifeguards coming up, no, nah, I'm right, I'll walk it off, I'll swim it off, I'll be right, I'll get back to shore. You, you go save someone else who needs it. I'm a good swimmer. I, I, don't, I don't need to be saved. And we, we say that in our life. I, I'm a good person. I don't need God. I don't need someone to come in and save me from the mess that I'm in. But that's, we are all in that situation. And so the kingdom belongs to those who recognize their need for salvation. Jesus said, he goes on and more than saying this, Jesus says that these are the people who are blessed. And being blessed is a big deal. In the, in the Greco-Roman world of the New Testament, the word blessed was a familiar um, sort of description used of the gods who were not subject to earthly frailties or misfortunes and of persons who were judged in some way to share the privilege of the state of those said gods. In the Jewish world of the Old Testament and beyond, blessing was seen as a happiness of a person or group because of certain praiseworthy religious behaviors or attitudes judged to be fortunate because it assumed that God rewards um, trust in him with, world, with worldly well-being. So, to basically some of that, we can see blessing comes when we trust God. It actually changes our inner being, our inner person. It lines ourselves up more in line with who God is. And so, in Jesus' ministry, blessing takes on on very different, a very different form because suddenly, in opposition to both the Greco-Roman and the Jewish thought, blessing becomes linked with things like persecution and poverty humility and peacemaking and sickness. And again, as I said at the start, we read some of those things and you go, I don't want that to be me. Okay, who likes a good action movie? 
Okay. If you watched an action movie and so imagine I've already brought up Arnie Schwarzenegger. I'll be Arnie Schwarzenegger. He's got all these guns like loaded up and like carrying ten guns of ten tons of weapons. Gets it in the movie going, Hey guys, I think we just need to talk about this. I think you've got some deep-seated issues from your past you need to work out, and maybe we can show a bit of forgiveness, and, and, and Arnie becomes a bit of a peacemaker. It probably wouldn't sell as a movie. People want, people want, they want the action. They want the bad guy to pay for it. And, and, and sometimes we take on that as Christians just as well as those who are not in the church, and we want to see the bad guys pay for it, those people who have hurt us and made us suffer and, and made us upset and, and have ridiculed me or whatever else. We want to make them suffer, and so we step back and go, oh, when something happens to them, I've got an internet pause happening in my life. Go, oh, yeah, I'm glad that couldn't have happened to a more deserving person. But here we're talking about being a peacemaker. And, and peacemaking requires grace. It requires forgiveness. This is why the, the new way that Jesus is talking about is so radically different to what our world promotes. And so if we kind of want to just adopt the world's way and sort of put a blanket of Christianity over the top, it's not going to work. There needs to be a radical change of, of, of what how we live and how we think. The blessing is not an earthly one, one tied to what you have or don't have. Again, we look at blessing that way, going, I'm blessed because I have too much money in my bank account. Anyone here got that problem? I'm, I'm doing this because I, I really want to hit you up after. Like, if, if you've got too much money in your bank account, I know people that, like, I'm at the front of the line. I know people that can use that too much money you have. But sometimes that's how we look at it. I've got too much money. I've got too much too much time. I've got too much fun stuff happening in my life. None of us can, that's what I suppose what we live for, but none of us actually have, have that happening for us. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaches a new way and offers a better commandment and teaching to the people of God. And we know now it turns the world upside down. And it, and it did. Like this is one of the things when you, you jump ahead into, so this is in the book of Matthew, you jump ahead to after the crucifixion and resurrection, you get to the book of Acts, the church goes out into the world, and all of a sudden, people don't know what to do with the Christians. Like, even in the early uh, first few hundred years of the, of the church, they didn't know what to do with the Christians because, like, again, they, they actually lived with love in their life. They, they helped people out. They actually, people thought the Christians were weird because they would help people that would have like um, illness that could infect them and they would go be, start hospitals up and, and be caring for those who were dying. Whereas the rest of the world at that time, basically, even the Jews went, you go live outside of town. We'll drop food down to you and stuff like that, but we are not going to, we're not going to impact ourselves. And so the Christians really changed the way of doing things. It changed the way of, of how we looked at of, of women being involved in, in life. And, and, and you see this in, in the ministry of Paul and, and others where, where they, they got involved. And even as Paul said, there's neither Greek nor or, uh, Jew, slave or free, male or female, all are one. That was a radical idea for the world of that time. And Jesus said, but that's, but that's my way. This is the new way. And so we get to the point that Jesus is promoting a thoroughly different kingdom. To continue down this path of thought, we, we, we 
keep identifying some different things in Matthew 5. Um, Jesus goes on to identify several more groups of people worthy of blessing. Some of them I've mentioned already. He, those will be blessed, those who mourn, the meek. Who here wants to be meek? Like, no way. You do what you do. Other Holy Harry over here. So, um, but, but the thing is, the thing is, when you think about it, we, we have this idea of meek being that sheepish person that hides in the corner that everyone wipes their feet on. Well, that's not even the definition of meek in, in a biblical understanding, but we hear that word and go, no, that's not me. But blessed are those who are meek. I, I think I've seen this before. A meek person is someone that can get the same down on the same level as, someone, as a child and talk with them. A meek person is someone who can sit beside someone in a hospital and, and, and give up their importance to bring themselves down to that level. And that's exactly what Jesus did. I wouldn't turn around and call Jesus meek, but Jesus showed that aspect. And again, we can do that as well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Some of you may be thinking, but how how righteous do I really need to be, Pastor Keith? Like, like I don't I don't want to sort of go over the top and be one of those Jesus freaks that does God stuff all the time. And I just I want to have a normal level of righteousness. And, and again, we, we bring that back to our level where we kind of, we define it, we say what's good and going, and, and we just break it down to the big sins. I'm not going to murder anyone. I'm not going to rob the bank. I'll, I'll bring it down to the big ones. But then, again, these passages don't allow you to do that. It doesn't allow you to sort of shrink righteousness back into a small ball and say, I'm a good person. That's all I've got to do. It actually says hunger and thirst for righteousness. It has been so hot these past few weeks. There are times I have been thirsty. I'll have a liter of water and I'll have a drink and I've got, and then I've got 100 mils left. I'm going, I've got to get some more water because I am so thirsty for it. This is what Jesus is talking about, that we would be passionately pursuing God's righteousness. Blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are those who are pure in heart. Pure in heart talks about anger and lust and greed, and pride. I'm sure that doesn't apply to any of you here. But that can be a real struggle to like sort of, and and again, because Jesus sees all, I can't hide that from him. I can't hide those things from him. Like um, I can't just sort of stand in front of it and sort of go, nothing to see here, Jesus, uh, and cover it all up. He just looks straight through me. He knows if I'm pure of heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the persecuted. Like, the thing is, when I'm persecuted, and I I am moving away from this point, but part of me wants God to show up with the the host of heaven and going, and do do what he wants to do. That's what I want God to do. But then I look, Jesus didn't do that. There was a few times he kind of went, okay, you guys, you guys can't do anything I don't want to do, but I'm, I'm going to be willingly submitting to this. And I'm going, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those falsely accused. Anyone ever, ever gone through a situation like that? It happened for the early Christians. They were, they were called cannibals because they took the Lord's Supper. 
they were called pagans because they only worshipped one God. And so even though they went, yeah, yeah, it is right, we only worship one God, but that makes us actually worship the, we, you guys are, are worshipping nothing. You're worshipping a rock here, a piece of tree there, and a bit of gold over there. Like that's what you're worshipping. They were falsely accused. This is quite a list of people, quite a distinctly different list from those who would have been counted as blessed in the Greco-Roman and Jewish culture. The kingdom that Jesus comes from and shares with others is thoroughly different from the one the, the, um, that the world he was born into. His is a thoroughly different kingdom than the one we live in today as well, which makes his teaching continually relevant to all of us. One commentator said, Jesus ascribes blessings to the poor, hungry, weeping and hated, not because these per persons have accomplished anything themselves, but because Jesus' presents, pre Jesus presence signifies the inauguration of the kingdom of God and a new reality for them. The persecuted are proclaimed blessed because Jesus' presence signifies the invasion of a new reality that transcends the trouble in this age. And in, in Jesus, we see a new way to life and blessing and ultimately salvation because Jesus, it's, it's, the, it's going to be a thoroughly different kingdom. And in that kingdom, what we see is that Jesus brings us close. Those in attendance at the Sermon on the Mount were likely those on the outside of society as evidenced by the kinds of people that Jesus pronounces blessing upon. Just imagine there would have been poor people sitting there listening. Now, and how do you tell people are poor? Their clothes are torn. Maybe they've got no shoes. And, and, and it wouldn't surprise me in Jewish culture that they would be ostracized altogether, that we're going, that's the poor section over there. We, we're going to go, oh, this is the wealthy to-do section. We don't want you even associating with us. Maybe it was their smell. They were poor. They didn't have anywhere to live. They didn't have anywhere to keep themselves clean. And, and you could smell them. And so Jesus says to them as they're sitting there, yours is the kingdom. It is for you. And so Jesus brings them close. He, he doesn't say to them like, hey, you're excluded from this and you're excluded and, and you people up the back, you might as well go home because my gospel, my way is only for these select people here. No, he looked around the crowd and he sort of went, you're in. It's it almost an Oprah moment. You're in and you're in and you're in, not because of anything great that you have done. This happened because Jesus was great. This happened because of who Jesus was. And Jesus brought them close. These are the people that those with power and position would have kept at an arm's length. These are the people that the enemy would have been spewing condemnation and guilt upon. Why can't you pull it together? You'll never amount to anything. You're worthless. Maybe you've heard these accusations before. Maybe you were here today and you're well aware of your need for Jesus. Your spirit, you're poor in spirit. You're hungry and thirsty for God. You've been persecuted and reviled and falsely accused for your faith. Jesus has a place for you. He brings you close and he says, you're blessed. He says, yours is the kingdom. He says, you will be comforted. He says, you will inherit the earth. 
you will be filled. You will be shown mercy. You will see God and you will be called children of God. You will be called children of God. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but fellow citizens within God, with God's people and members of his household. I remember growing up as a kid, I, I, my, both my grandmas were alive for most of my, my child, childhood, but one, one grandma was, was a lot older than the other one. And so she didn't have as much stuff at her house. So when we went to her place, wasn't as much to do. But when I went to my other grandma's place, she lived on a farm and we would, we would get spoiled by her. Um, I, I remember when they bought a video player, my uncle who lived with them at the time would record shows that we could watch. Um, we'd get breakfast cooked for us each day. And, and, like, and I, don't, I didn't think about it at the time because we'd all get up when we wanted to. So if you woke up at 7.30 or woke up at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, we'd get up and we'd go in the kitchen and grandma would go, what would you like for breakfast? How, would you like, how many eggs would you like? So she was probably in the kitchen for like an hour and a half just cooking away. And But the thing was, I knew I was very welcome there. And so we'd explore stuff. I'd check out what was in grandma's cupboard. And the reason I did that, because grandma would often have special stuff there for us. But because that was my family, I wasn't, my mum probably would have tapped me on the hand and say, don't do that. But I felt very welcome to open up the cupboard and see what was there. My, my granddad often had a, he had two different dogs when we were growing up and both of them, they taught how to shake hands and go fetch the ball. So we'd, we'd play with the dog. We'd explore the farm. We'd, we'd go do different things there. And when you are a child, when you, uh, as a child, when you fit into a location, you feel welcomed, you don't realise it, but it's actually a special thing. You go somewhere, you're not allowed to touch anything. Like you go somewhere which has got expensive stuff on the shelf. Don't touch. Don't touch. Don't. And 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 you're just you're just told that this is you are just visiting here. You are just visiting here. This is not a place that you are truly welcomed. Like I've walked in the shop, so I don't even feel welcome. Going like, yeah, you look at look at me up and down. Go, you can't afford anything in this shop. But when it comes to those things, when we are understand that we are called a child of God, all of a sudden that means we can check out God's cupboards. We we can check out what what God's special stuff is God. And and the thing is, and again, it's not it's not a complete metaphor or anything like that. But I'm going. Like my grandma would have a fridge full of special food for us before we got there. And, and the thing is, we may not even be hungry, but we'd go check out, what have we got this time? And I can just imagine God doing the same, going, hey, I know what your year was like last year. Come and have a look what I've got in store for you this year. Come and look at the blessing I have for you. Come and check out the cupboards. You are a child of God. In Jesus, we are given a radically new way to righteousness. It's not based upon your possessions or your abilities or your positions. It's not based upon power. It's actually not even based upon anything you can do at all. And again, this is where we struggle with our pride, but, but I'm so good at so many things. I, I want to get credit for that. Well, that doesn't matter to God because he's so much better at everything. 
at the end of the day, the question of salvation is simply, do you have him in your life? Have you confessed and do you believe that Jesus is Lord and living in that way? In Jesus, you are no longer held at a distance or told that you will never be valuable enough. In Jesus, you are brought close, you are blessed, forgiven and redeemed. And this is done for his glory. And the power and dominion are his forever. Jesus shows us a new way, a new way into the fullness of life. And and some of you may have in the past have gone, yep, I want to walk in that way. And maybe the world has then gone, it's if there was big bright lights and gone, oh, you can you can take that and add it to this and it can work together. And it doesn't doesn't work together. And all of a sudden you start following the world way, the the world's way, and you justify. I'm going to be angry, but but that person was really out of line. That that per, he he wasn't just a normal sort of. It was above and beyond. And I'm going, um, it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross. That was kind of above and beyond. And Jesus still has welcomed us, welcomed me back into his family and saying, this is the place, this is the way I want to walk in. And so today, this may be a new way for you to walk in. Maybe you weren't really aware that this is the way that you should be walking in life and, and you're trying to understand what it is to be to meek and 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 peacemaker and, and humble and all those different things. Or maybe you're in a position where you go, you know what, I need to get back to that. Maybe my life has become too much about what I can do and how I want things and I'm not following the way that Jesus put in front of me. Today, I want you to realize that God does truly want to bless you in his definition of the word. And in doing that, when we are blessed, all of a sudden life makes more sense in the times that the world seems upside down. It, It brings more joy. We have more strength because, again, it's not our strength. It's God's strength. And so I would encourage you over these next few weeks as we continue to explore this, that you would know the way of God and walk in it. Let me just pray. Lord, we want to thank you that your blessing and kindness extend to each one of us, Uh, each one of us here, each one of us who are not here today, throughout our city, throughout our world, your kindness is extended to them. You look upon the lowly and the meek in the same way you look upon our kings and queens, and we are blessed in knowing you. And we are blessed that you have come to save sinners like us. Help us to walk in that blessing and help us to walk in your way. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.